0: Iteration is key and speed of iteration is even more important, right? Um, And the best way to do that is get critical feedback, whether it be internal or externally, right? So constantly we're shipping new feature, constantly we're talking to more people in the market, and we're just getting feedback on what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong, because to be honest, 90% 90% of the time our ideas are bad, right? It's like, as much as I'd like to say we're, we're better than that, you know, it's, it's just the truth. Are you ready to elevate your leadership skills in the electronics manufacturing industry? Join Sana on a transformative journey as she unlocks the key to exceptional leadership in this dynamic field discover invaluable strategies, emerging trends, and best practices through expert perspectives and insightful interviews. This podcast is your ultimate resource for gaining a competitive edge, staying ahead of the curve, and shaping the future. Tune in now and unlock the secrets to leadership success in the world of electronics manufacturing.
1: Welcome to Mind Innovation Manufacturing Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, and thank you so much for listening in today. I want to introduce today's guest, Zachary Furstein. Zachary is the founder and CEO of Breadboard, a company that's automating electronics procurement. With a software engineering background, he's a natural leader who excels in product development, design, commercial strategy, and also technical implementations. So, welcome, Zachary, to the podcast. I'm so happy to have you here.
0: Thank you so much for having me. Always great to speak.
1: Yeah. So let's let's jump in, right? Electronics industry is just huge. So I want to know. How, you know, your perspective on how has the electronic industry changed since you started working at at Breadboard?
0: Yeah, so when we started Breadboard just about a year and a half ago, we were really at like the peak of the supply chain crisis, right? Um, everybody was just trying to constantly source components and being told, week and week over week, sorry, it's going to be another six months, right? And, and you know, hair on fire type event. And really, you know, over the last year and a half, we've started to see things stabilize, right? Um, yeah. It's no longer every part's impossible to find. But now how do we more strategically think about sourcing um, and think about not just in time, but also planning, um, but also thinking about how do we look ahead to say, well, what's the next thing that could happen and how are we better prepared this time than yeah. we were the time before? Yeah,
1: yeah I, I think we all have to learn, right? There will be disruptions, right? It's not, we're not going to have a year when nothing's going to happen. So you have to have a, a strategy and a plan in place.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's like in any industry, I think in this one, it's just super complex. So the level of effort that goes in, I think um, sometimes it's harder than than some of the other ones that we've seen.
1: Yeah. So right now, what are some of the key challenges that electronics manufacturers are facing?
0: Yeah, so the biggest ones that we see is actually around labor, right? Um, we're in this market now where um, as much as I think we all want it to be, and we know it's super important in electronics manufacturing, it's not Necessarily, the sexiest industry to new incomers, right? I, I think the the latest study I read is the average age in this industry is like fifty eight years old or something oh, like God. that. Um, so this industry is starting to, you know, think about retirement and moving on to the next thing. Um, but the younger generation, right, really hasn't come into to play. Um, and I think the industry has to think about that in two different ways. One is how do you um, make the industry more attractive it's incredibly interesting and intricate and i think if people looked at it like they look at you know finance sometimes or or software even like we're in um which sometimes has that hot name to it um i think there would be a lot of interest but i think there's also digital transformation right um not only does that make it more attractive to the younger generation, but it also makes it that you can do more with less, right? Um, And it's not as a big a deal if for three months you can't hire that person when somebody leaves, because you have the tooling around you to support your business
1: effectively. Yeah. yeah. And, and what about efficiency, right? That I'm sure that's also right, that you, you don't need to spend, maybe it's five hours that you did before, but now you have all these smarter tools that can go in and, and support you and being faster on it.
0: Exactly. And efficiency comes in multiple ways, right? There's speed of efficiency and using less labor, but yeah. then also with high inflation now, it's how do you be efficient with your spend, right? How are you consolidating that effectively, making sure you're not overpaying um, in order to run a profitable business, which is, you know, not super easy in, in 2024.
1: So what are some of the, um, you know, with your software, right? What are some of the benefit that you've seen or you hear, you know, when you're talking to, to some of your 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 clients or your customers when they're coming back to you? What, what are some of the feedback yeah. you're getting?
0: So the biggest thing that we've specialized is making that process of quoting and procuring electronics components much easier than it's been historically. Um, this industry, the data is messy, right? You're working, whether you're a contract manufacturer or an OEM, um, you have data coming from different systems, whether that's like your bill of materials, whether that's supplier RFQs, whether that be your purchase orders. Um you get emails, you have PDFs, you have Excel files, you have these disparate um, you know, technology systems like your ERP and your MES. Um, and what we wanted to do is take a system that can take the data from any of those formats, get that into our platform in just a couple of seconds, and then automate connecting you to all of your the suppliers in the market so that you can get the live information about who to buy from, at what price, and everything in between. And really the value we've been seeing there for our customer base and what they're really excited about is taking a process that normally would have taken 8, 12, 15-minute hours down to 15, 20 minutes, um, and while doing that, you know, getting the analytics around the pricing and availability, and and making better decisions as a business. So it's been fun. We're a new company, so we're still, um, you know, learning things every single day, and hopefully, we'll continue to do that forever. Um, but it's been a lot of fun and getting great feedback so far.
1: Oh, that's awesome! So I want to touch a little bit on so design cycle, right? Is long. It can be yeah. from, from six months to five years. What about the buying cycle? Because that's the one you're touching here, right? What have that changed over the last couple of years?
0: Definitely. I think, you know it depends on the use case, right? It's very different if you're buying for prototypes, right? You're, you know, let's say buying five, 10, 15 units, right? Versus you have a recurring product and a sales process, um, and you're buying components on a, you know, quarterly or monthly basis based on your sales, your inventory and the market data. Um, And what we've really seen, um, and not necessarily where it's been and where it is today, but where it's going is, We need to help make better demand forecasting. How do we help the upstream manufacturers know what demand is going to look like five years down the line so that they can build the facilities and the manufacturing plants to support that? And a lot of the work we're doing here at Breadboard is to say – hey, let's solve the transactional workflow of buying and, and purchasing in the immediate and make that a lot easier, but then layer on financial tools eventually with a futures exchange actually to be able to get that demand forecasting long-term um, mm-hmm. and therefore make a much more stable supply chain so that when the next crisis happens, um, there's not a risk of you know, a huge shortage of supply.
1: So I want to know more a little bit about you. Because you don't have all you're not always been in the electronic industry, right? You like from the pharmaceutical or the medical side. So tell me how how did you land in the electronics industry?
0: Yeah, so I, I guess going all the way back, um, I've always loved electronics. Um, my father's an engineer. We grew up like taking apart like the broken TV in our house and trying to fix it, doing wiring through the through the walls. So I've always been passionate. For for it and i actually got my degree in electrical and computer engineering um but i got scared when i graduated <laughs> uh, you know manufacturing is hard design as you said like the life cycle of it can be really long um yeah. and i saw software out there it was you know the let's say the easy way out right in, in a way but you know as you know um in life it always brings you back to the things that you really should be doing. So, you know, worked in software, built um some companies in the space most recently in you know, life sciences and, and medical. Um, and what drove me back here was as a consumer, right? I yeah. was interested in buying a bunch of different products, um, you know, from game systems to a new refrigerator. Um and I just kept on being told, sorry, you're gonna to have to wait six months to get this, you know, specific product. Um, and I dove back in to see what was going wrong and see if I could help fix it. So yeah. it's been a wild ride the last one and a half years, and hopefully this is where I can stay for, for the rest of my career.
1: Oh, that's no, that's interesting. And it's good that you've been, you know, at that table, right? As the consumer, or you know, you're sitting around so you know the experience. Um, and then you can actually add some of that in to the to this kind of software. Um, what about your team? How how big is your team, and and how do you how do you stay connected with like lessons learned, and when you do iterations? Can we? I want to go a little bit deeper in here. So, what's how how big is your team?
0: Yeah, we're a team of ten. We're all here in New York City. Um, iteration is key, and speed of iteration is even more important, right? Yeah. Um, and the best way to do that is get critical feedback, whether it be internal or externally, right? So constantly we're shipping new feature constantly we're talking to more people in the market and we're just getting feedback on what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong because to be honest 90 percent of the time our ideas are bad right it's like as much as i'd like to say we're we're better than that you know it's it's just the truth um but if you quickly, you know, talk to people um, about those ideas and really try to say, is this actually solving your problem? And get feedback on it, whether again, that's like a client, a prospect, um, a friend, or other teammates, right, on the team when it's regarding an internal process, um, you quickly adjust and and pivot. Um, And that's the beauty of being at a small company is, you know, one week we could be doing one thing and then the next week we realize, hey, that wasn't the right thing, and we adjust and um, yeah. and that's, and we move forward.
1: Yeah. I'm always saying if you're like a big, big organization, right? It's like a container ship. It takes some time to turn.
0: <laughs> exactly. Right. You change four degrees over the course of a year. Uh,
1: and yeah. then get back on track. No. So how, how do you stay updated with all the industry news and what's happening? And, and how do you share that with your team? Because I'm sure that's really important, right? That you're staying on top of the game here
0: yeah it's it's critical and it's not easy right it's like um you know everybody's trying to like get the news and the information and then do their day job right which is like you know running whatever they're they're doing um i try to just get it from as many sources as possible right whether it's podcasts like this right and and to following linkedin groups that are super helpful or you know media websites uh in the space um I try to do that and then I'll take the nuggets out of there and we meet our team on a daily basis. Right. And either we'll share, you know, those things directly, like in a Slack channel, um, you know, an interesting article or something to read, or, you know, I can take that and turn into something helpful, try to, you know, reconsolidate that or whatever the right word is for that, um, and present it. Um, but the truth is it's not just me, right? Like the beauty of having a team is, the yeah. data is coming from all these different places and yeah. we get to share it with each other, which is super fun. Uh, like I love waking up every morning and hanging out with, uh, with my whole team and, and building new things and learning new things.
1: Oh, that's awesome. That, that Yeah. And, and I like that, you know, I'm sure with your passion as well, right. That will reflect into the team as well. If you have hired as well, um, that everybody hopefully, um, has that, that kind of the same, the same spirit, um, to just, Go for the goals, right? Make the enhancement um, and then share and have the passion for for the whole industry.
0: Yeah, I I think like hiring people that are smarter and more passionate than even you is critical. Like uh, if I'm not, the rule we use internally when we're thinking about like hiring somebody is not, are they good for the job? Or, you know, do we think they have the right qualifications? But are we excited um, about this person? Like, do we think this person is gonna like, call us out on our BS, are going to push us further. Um, And if that's the case, then it's the right hire. Um, Because if we treat ourselves as the limit, we can only go that high, right? So it's like we should constantly try to be getting better and better people around us.
1: Yeah, definitely. And you belong to learn, right? And the whole critical thinking. What about other skill set? Now that we are talking about skill set, what other skills are important? I think the biggest
0: um skill set that i've seen valuable is people that can connect the dots from multiple skill sets right i think uh there are a lot of people who are really good at one thing right um and you can make a great living about really good at one thing right um the people who take it to the next level are able to be good at multiple things or decent at multiple things and connect the dots between them right so imagine you had a great salesperson right And they're incredibly good at telling a story, right, and understanding pain points and relaying, right, what information, right, and value they can bring to a business or to an individual person. Um, And then you have another person, right, who's an incredible engineer, right, who can build out different systems and tools um, and architect, right, fantastic solutions. Individually, they're great. But imagine you had somebody who can – on the fly right through a sales call right for example understand that problem and then figure out the solution live there right like that's the difference maker and i think you try to find multiple like Venn diagrams and people um who can all overlap in that way um i think that's something that i've found it's hard to find but when you find it it's like never let
1: go yeah (laughs) no that's no definitely definitely yeah no i can't i only agree with you having you know connecting the dots um it's like it's not that it's a gray zone but the overlapping right just help building a better team um and and it also if there should be any gaps right is you're just just much better in in that situation um if it's for the for the company what about um i want to go back to the um to the buying uh, cycle Because uh, I want to talk about your buying cycle, right? When you talk to customers, so not that you have to tell any secrets, but I just want to know you can say shorter (laughs) or long, right, (laughs) on the buying cycle. Um, But I want to touch on the the whole building the the relationship with your newer customer coming in. What what kind of what kind of advice can you give on on like if there's a long uh, buying cycle and then you know how do you build this this relationship?
0: Yeah, so our buying cycle completely ranges, right? Uh, we have people onboarded and, and signed up within 24 hours of first reaching out to us if they have like a straightforward workflow and they just want to move on and, and into it. And we have like multi-month life cycles for buying cycles for like large enterprises who need a ton of integrations and, and support and around that. Um, either way, though, I think good like clients and, and sales relationships are about teaching and and like consulting right almost where it's saying like i'm going to educate you on right eat the market and then also what we do and then help just dis- help you decide uh for yourself is this something that can help me or not right mm-hmm. um that's the best way that we've seen to be really helpful and giving people the tools to to make that decision, right? If it's not a good ROI, for example, to use us or any software, it's actually not good for the business to sell you that because you're not gonna renew or you're gonna have a bad experience. So for us, we think about it as that education and that consulting, um, and that leads then to good clients afterwards. So a lot of it is saying, hey, here's how we solve the problem. Here's how other people solve the problems. We're not the only people in this industry. Here's where we think we can help you if you have these problems. Let's investigate what you're already doing well versus areas you're trying to improve um, and then see if there's a mutual fit. Yeah.
1: No, it's, it, it's good. And and I'm sure as well with, with some of your customers, right? Because that, that's what I can see if, if you just look into other industries, right? Is that when somebody actually comes to you and saying, now I'm ready to talk, they've already done a lot of the pre-work, right? So it's not that... You have to educate them on, on everything. So I'm sure that's like one bucket of customers. But I'm sure you also have customers where you're reaching out to them and then you have to you have to educate them um, and lift them really quickly to see, you know, if it's if you wanna keep if you wanna keep them in, in your funnel or not.
0: Exactly. And, you know, as a younger company, not that many people know about us, which is totally fine. Right. And there's I would call it, you know. 60 40 70 30 right of us reaching out right versus that inbound but yeah it's definitely a different process and we're just trying to make sure people even know we exist so that if we can help them we're available for that
1: yeah that's good um back to company culture because i think the whole communication and and company culture is is so important um it's how it's a little bit the the, the secrets right of of a company if it's if, if it's really good, I think how it, everybody works together. So beside of how you're learning and you're sharing and your passion, right because I heard that from from the whole organization, do you have other company culture initiatives that you do like outside of getting together or anything else where you can say, hey this actually changed the way how we are actually are working together? Is there anything reflecting you can you can share? yeah
0: i i think there are a few pieces to it so one is like culture is a living organism right it's like it's ever-changing and and it's dynamic and you have to constantly feed it right uh to yeah. to make it um you know a healthy and an awesome thing um i'll give you one example of something that we do regularly and then another thing is more of a like um like mission or, or driven thing that we push for right and we try to make each other better through so in terms of like processes, um, you know, we try to make sure that there's transparency across the business so that people can have that passion because they understand what the impact they're gonna have. So for example, we just did our yearly planning, we went off site. we spent, you know, a day fully going through everything that we wanna do collaboratively as a company from our commercial goals to our engineering goals, to our product goals, to our customer goals, right? Everything there and came together. Um, and we're completely transparent with the business, right? Everything from like cash in the bank to like where we need to be in terms of right. Our success, where we're struggling, right. All those different areas. And I think yeah. that's something that breeds that passion you were talking about because people feel like, you know, they have some stake in this, right? Like they, they understand where their impact is. Um, so that's on like the, you know, something we do. And then we regularly biweekly meet to see how we're tracking against those goals. as an entire business. as like an all hands. Um, that's like on the, like how we feed it. Right. Um, yeah. One of the things though, that I think, you know, um, I've taken from other businesses and I think it's been really successful um, and something we push for here at Breadboard is something called like the beautiful polished rocks theory. So the idea behind it is the best things, right? The most beautiful things come out of friction, right? You take two pieces of, of rocks together, you, you rub them together and it becomes this beautiful, smooth stone. And the analogy there is, you know, We're all going to have different viewpoints and disagreements, let's say, on um, different items. And that's actually a good thing. It's not a bad thing to be passionate and disagree about a specific topic, as long as you know it's about the topic and not the people. And, you know, that's working well when two people can be in a heated disagreement and then say, hey, want to go grab a beer right afterwards or, you know, dinner or whatever it is. And those are some of the things that I think about. Yeah,
1: Not taking it personal, right? It is... It is the technical part of it. I exactly. like Exactly. Yeah, I really like that. I also, you know, they all always, if, you know, if you're grabbing that beer, right, or you have lunch or you have dinner or something, it always builds a little bit deeper on on your relationship with your colleagues. Um, and makes it easier next time if you don't see them every day, um, if you're remote or hybrid, right? It just it just helps you build, um, and work closely. Um, yeah, and,
0: camaraderie is super.
1: Yeah. Funny. Yeah um okay so um i want to talk about advices here so i have two questions so let's take the take one of them so if, if you have like a, a a newcomer that's coming into the industry and you have a lot here of perfection what what kind of of advice would you give somebody new coming into the industry
0: don't be afraid to ask um i think that's something that um people don't realize is like you're an email or a LinkedIn message or a phone call away from talking to pretty much anybody in this world. Um, there are very, very, very few people who don't actually monitor their own email inbox or their, their phone. Um, so find people that you think are interesting, that you want to emulate, that you want to be one day, uh, and just reach out. Um, You might not get a response the first time. Um, You might not even get a response at all. But most people, if you do that enough, you're going to get in touch with some people you would have never even thought possible. Um, And that will open up so many doors because people then appreciate that you actually care and want to learn about these things. And maybe they don't offer you an opportunity even themselves, but they might connect you to the right parties and get you in touch with the people. So no matter who it is, um like you should reach out you should just try um and that will take you like 95 percent of the way there in a lot of scenarios
1: i like that okay i, I really like that you know ask ask right it's just uh, if you don't nothing happens if you ask you know it can go either way right and a lot of the ways is actually you will have that conversation um or you will actually expand your network so that's that's a really good advice other advice, if you have to, um, you know, look at yourself and give yourself an advice like 10 years ago, what would that have been?
0: Yeah. Um, the biggest advice I think I would tell myself is it's okay to make mistakes, uh, and it's okay to fail. Um, as long as you're learning from those things, um, and you're trying to do better every day, I think, especially when I was early in my career, I was just so afraid of like getting in trouble. Right. I think in school, right. Yeah. Like you're taught to follow the rules, to stay in your lane, to, to do all these things. Um, and like failing is a bad thing, right? Like you get a, a low grade on a test. That's a, that's a bad thing. Um, the world doesn't work that way. <laughs> right? So, um, you know, honestly, like as I said, trying 95% of the battle, 95% of the battle, like do things, try it, you're going to make mistakes, uh, keep trying, ask for help. Um, and you're going to be way farther than most people because yeah. at least you put your foot, um, out there and you're learning from, from what you did wrong the time before.
1: I like that. Yeah. It's, and don't be shy, right? Even though if you actually are having a few mistakes or learnings on the way, we all do every week. Come on. Let's just be honest. Yeah. About it
0: a hundred percent i'm failing every day yeah
1: yeah, yeah. and it, and i think it's important as well to share these learnings of saying hey i you know i did this right i learned out that this was the not the best way of doing it right or we changed the you know we pivot right now that is this way. Exactly. I think sharing your learning on the way as well is is also important and back to the whole company culture right we're doing full circle here
0: yeah no. <laughs> um it all relates
1: yeah. So uh, if some of the listener wants to, to connect with you, how how can they reach out to you?
0: Yeah, the best way is you can go to our website, breadboard.com, um, and you can either get a call with us directly through there. Or if you want to reach out to me personally, for whatever reason, you can reach me at Zachary at breadboard.com. And we'd be happy to talk to you, whether it's personal, business or anything else
1: nice okay awesome and i'll make sure you know to put these links uh, in the show notes and also on the um, website episode page that you can find on mindinnovation.com so zagavia i think this was great you know we went around you know talking about a lot the digitalization right um and then we're always i think not always but you know ending around the whole company culture um and i always love the the advice that we're getting um from from some of these all the guests and i love your advice today um just don't don't be afraid of ask, right? Or asking. Um, especially if you're new in the in in this industry. And we all need new people, right? Or younger people with talent. Or, or highly talented <laughs> people to come into this industry. So uh, so yeah, so please join. No. Um so so thank you so much.
0: Thank you so much for having me. It was wonderful talking to you. And I love listening to the podcast and getting all the advice from everybody else. So it's fun to be on here and hopefully we'll be speaking soon. Oh, we will. <laughs> 100%.
1: <laughs> if you like Mind Innovation, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and share the show wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow Sana Vinding and Mind Innovation on Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube. And make sure to check out mindinnovation.com. Stay curious and keep learning. See you next time.